You're listening to the J.C. and Morgan podcast presented by BP Skinner Clothiers. Folks, if you want to make sure that you look your very best, don't settle for the department store down the street where you're getting something off the rack that is lesser quality and you're dealing with salespeople that sometimes, let's face it, can be a little bit pushy. Get a guy whose sole goal is to make sure you look your very best and he goes out of his way to do so. When I say out of his way, I mean he's coming to you no matter where you're listening to us on this podcast. Brent Skinner a BP Skinner Clothiers will come on out. You book an appointment on the website, bpskinnerclothiers.com. He'll have a consultation with you. He'll bring the samples of some of the most luxurious fabrics from the finest mills in Europe for you to look through as they begin to design your custom garment. After that, it's a few weeks and you are done. It's mailed to you at your door, and you're ready to go. You, like me and so many others that Brent has worked with, will notice the difference in how you look and how you feel, and the price is right. Again, go to the website, bpskinnerclothiers.com. Set up an appointment with Brent Skinner. He'll come to you no matter where you are in the country, and you will begin to look your very best. And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. Coming to you from the mecca of college football, Atlanta, GA. It's another installment of the J.C. and Morgan podcast. He is J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports, the Big Spur. Other venues, I'm Mike Morgan of ESPN and the SEC Network. Oh, we were just rolling along games little bit of playoff discussion here and there and then all of a sudden now we've got we got our first big non on the field story to sink our teeth into JC and uh, uh, we've been talking about this for a while first off how are you sir I am good no scary movies this past weekend um, was gonna go see the new Terminator movie uh, uh-huh. but thankfully avoided that because I, I just don't know if it's going to be very good. I, you know, something about Linda Hamilton coming back and being the hero all of a sudden, you know, after we were treated to, you know, a pretty good performance by Christian Bale in one of those Terminators. And I like the story and all that, but didn't get a chance to see that. But I did put something on Twitter a couple of weeks ago that I want to like throw out just to, as a theory for a movie. All right, so we can do King Kong versus Godzilla. We can do Batman versus Superman. The Matrix and Terminator are the same story. They exist in the same universe. Machines take over humankind. Okay? Mm -hmm. So who's to say that Skynet didn't create the Matrix? Okay. All right, so, so I'm just throwing that out. Yeah, uh, it, it's kind of like Third Eye Blind and Third Eye Blind's music. You ever notice how all of Third Eye Blind's songs and people love Third Eye Blind? They all go, they all follow they do. do 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 just at different tempos. How you gonna uh-huh. be? Da 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 da. It's the same beat. I wish you same. would step off from that ledge, do, my friend. Do do do. Do, 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 do. Think about it. You can cut ties with all the lies you've been living in. Do, do, wow. do, 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 do. Yeah, nobody, nobody ever thinks about that. But I think, I think movies are a lot similar or similar to that sometimes. And, and look, you just can't tell me that you can't blend those two things together and have a Terminator meets the Matrix kind of thing. And, you know... I don't know. So that, that you can that, put the past away. All right, that's in my third <laughs> idea. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's, I, that's I, a little pop culture. Well, now you got me thinking. Of course, you know I've I've done so many diatribes on what Hollywood has become and and the lack of creativity, uh, and and the overall sellout motif, um, that appeals to like forty five year old men living in their basement. Uh, not there's anything wrong with that. Basements are a good thing, and and so are forty five year old men. But I, I, uh, I, when you mention Third Eye Blind, which is definitely the first mention of that that band on this podcast, and maybe any others. Um, have you seen the Fire Festival doc on Netflix? Now you told me to watch it like six months ago, Mike, and I've got all of your suggestions but on the list. We know, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> if I suggested that you would watch something that uh, at the end of the movie you'd get a million dollars cash, you'd still be like, ah, I'm going to get around to it when I get to it, Mike. Yeah, yeah we're, so we're going to be in our 50s and I'm going to call you up and I'll be like, Mike, eh. Sixties. I saw that dance. You <laughs> I watched Breaking Bad. I just finished it up. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, exactly. If that's what it takes, you know, if you're at Shady Pines in your, you know, with your with your walker or your cane, whatever you have at that point, and you're at the bingo parlor and you're, you know, you're watching it on your. At that time, I don't even know if we have laptops. You'll be watching it on something, but a portal or something, I guess. Yes. Things yeah. So yeah, yeah exactly. I'll, I'll be like, Mike, hey, Breaking yeah. Bad is a great show. Yeah. Hey. Well, one of the things that uh, was on the Fire Festival, it, again, it's Ja Rule and this this uh, McFarlane guy who's just a master, a master con artist, and they just rook all these millennials into spending thousands of dollars so they can be at a quote unquote cool party. Uh, in, in the Bahamas in Exuma, uh, which Exuma is beautiful. I've actually been, but why you would spend like 10 grand so you can say, Hey, I hung out with Ja Ru on an Island, but it, it was a complete disaster. They, all these, all these people got ripped off, but one of the attractions, it was supposed to be a music festival and like four of the bands I never heard of, but one of the headliners was third eye blind <laughs> and third eye blind was the first band to back out. They saw. <laughs> the fix and they're like, well, you know what? Even though we might be desperate, we're not this desperate. We're we're out. So uh, that's the last time I've heard Third Eye Blind until you mentioned it here on this podcast. Um, did you did you do anything for Halloween? We, we finish up the small talk here. No, nah, I didn't. I did not. I didn't do a costume this year. You know, that's that's that's. I go back and forth. Like I'll go a couple of years, and I mean, it didn't even register to me it was Halloween. Like because I. I had some business I had to take care of that day and some other business I had to take care of that day with the site and networks and all that. And it just didn't even register to me. It was Halloween. I went, I went to a friend of mine's house for dinner and, uh, you know, that, that was it. And Friday the 13th was on the TV and I was like, duh, it's Halloween. Yeah. So yeah. You're in the, sure. the original, the original one, you know, I, so you can't, you can't, I think, I think I read somewhere the guy who played Jason, in the uh, Halloween mask, got like $25 a day. Or maybe that was Michael Myers in Halloween. Somebody who was wearing a mask in one of those movies, circa 1980, uh, earned a, a whopping 25 bucks a day for their performance. So that's that's definitely, you got to get a new agent if you're, uh, if you're doing that. Um, I, I was en route to Lexington, Kentucky to call a basketball game, so I did not do uh, Halloween. But I did do the Bourbon Trail in uh in Frankfort, Kentucky, very cool. How was uh, that? Yeah, that's that was awesome. State I, capital. You know, I, yeah, yeah, that was. I did Buffalo Trace. I want to do Maker's Mark next. Little Woodford Reserve. Uh, you learn, you learn some stuff there. It's not just about boozing up. You actually learn a few things. So very cool stuff. I went to the Jack Daniels Distillery one time in Tennessee. And there you go. Learned yeah. that they made Gentleman Jack by putting it uh, through the coals twice. And so, a buddy of mine, we went to Vegas for March Madness, and I'm sitting there at. Bill's Gambling Hall, which is no longer with us, out in Las Vegas with my buddies, and we're sitting there, and I'm unfortunately drinking um, Gentleman Jack, and and that that stuff kind of gets to you pretty quick once you've had three or four, and I'm just going on and on about the coals, and so yeah, you learn you learn there, and, and, and folks in our audience are SEC fans, and you know a lot of times you have to go to Kentucky for games, you go on the sure. road, and that that's a good. That's a good deal to do that in Keeneland. I mean, there's a lot to do in Kentucky you don't really I I recommend it. I mean, I've done both in the last few weeks. I, I recommend uh, both of those things. And uh, who doesn't like a good bourbon or whiskey? I'll tell you right now who's drinking plenty of it just to get through the day. That's Florida State fans. Uh, it's been a rough stretch of time here in, in Seminole. And you and I have talked about this for a while now. I, I, it's not my goal to pile on. But I, I'm going to go through a couple of things. It's kind of like... You've heard um, we've done this before on on broadcast. The anatomy of an upset when you try to figure out what it takes for one underdog to beat uh, the, the heavily favored team and and come up with different things. This is the anatomy of a disastrous coaching hire. Like, how did Florida State get to this point? Uh, because you're Florida State. Like a lot of schools, and we've talked about them. They have to be much more creative in their hires because they're not. A brand, they can't just covet. Uh, well, they can covet, but they can't just get whoever the heck they want. 
But if you're Florida State, you might not be able to get whoever the heck you want, and you're not getting Urban Meyer. Um, but you can you can certainly get a number of schools, uh, another of coaches at different schools to consider your job and take the job. But for some reason, they landed on a guy who had a losing record in his career at the likes of Western Kentucky and USF, uh, a guy who the moment he left Oregon, people rejoice there, and you see what they've done at Oregon since. They're now a national championship contender. When Willie Taggart was there, they were 7-6. and six. He was one game under 500 at South Florida, had one good year. He was four games under 500 at Western Kentucky, had one good year, and waited to the uh, Little Caesars Pizza Bowl, pan pan, pizza pizza. That's right. That's what he did. That was his track record. And an ambitious athletic director who's no longer there who's now, by the way, at the NCAA. <laughs> Did you know that? That's where that, the, the mm-hmm. guy who, who made this brilliant hire uh, and, and kind of, I don't want to say, you know, he worked rogue, but basically, uh, basically what Stan Wilcox did was he, with, with a number of coaches, I'm going to go over the list. This is why I say it's the anatomy of a disastrous coaching hire. With a number of coaches that would have taken this job, he said, no, 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 no. Willie Taggart's the man. So Stan Wilcox, uh, who is now with the NCAA, a, a perfect place perhaps for a guy that, that set the Florida State football program back decades, that's the guy who made the hire. And if you go back and you look at it, and you and I have talked about this, there are some people that actually praise this hire. And I couldn't understand how in the hell you came up with that conclusion. This is from, for example, Bruce Feldman. This is back December the 5th, 2017. I respect Bruce Feldman. I've met him. I, I think he does a, a, a good job covering college football. This is uh, Bruce. I don't know if he's still with SI. I can't keep up. All these, all these writers are bouncing he's, around. He's with The Athletic and also he works with, with Fox on their uh... – that's right. College football coverage, yeah. Correct, correct. And again, so I'm not piling on Bruce. Bruce is is, is credible. He's good. Uh, and look, we all make mistakes. But this is, this is one of the quotes in his initial paragraphs of the hire. Taggart is, quote, regarded as an excellent motivator. Do you see a lot of motivation going on in the last couple of years in Tallahassee, hmm. JC? Nah, nah not, not, a, not very many. That, that looked like a motivated team to you on Saturday against Miami. It looked like they were motivated to fight. They scored they motivated to yeah yeah they scored ten points against the U man against the U a bad U team regarded as quote an excellent motivator and quote excellent team builder Did you see a lot of team building going on at Florida State the last couple of years nah no did, not at all no, no, did, 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 he, did he build a great team at Oregon or Western Kentucky or South Florida? no who's been very the one accurate thing in this statement is he's been very good at connecting with families and recruits. Well, I'm not even sure how accurate that is, but it sounds good, and I'm going to go with it. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt that he connected with families and recruit. You follow recruiting. I don't know. Did he? How well was that well, connection going? When he was on, when he worked for Jim Harbaugh, he was one of Harbaugh's better recruiters for sure. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so that probably is accurate, but, I mean, Okay. Look, South Florida. I buy that. He, uh, anyway, keep going. Keep well, going. okay. <laughs> I didn't mean to put you on the spot there, but it, no, no, but no. I mean, I, that is that would probably be accurate when he was an assistant under Harbaugh. That'd be the one thing, yeah. At Stanford, okay. yeah. So, so there's Bruce Feldman, a highly credible. He's basically praising the hire. I'm sitting there scratching my head, like Florida State. I, I have a lot of friends that went to Florida State. A lot. A couple of them are, are boosters and give money to that school. And they're calling me up and they're asking me, like, what do you think? And I'm like, honestly, I don't understand it. I I don't get it. Like, I don't you, – you're Florida State. Willie Taggart? It's not as if, like, they interviewed – correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, forgive me. Do you remember, JC, did they go after other guys, offer them the job, and they turned it down, and then they landed on Willie Taggart, kind of like a Tennessee situation? Or was this not Stan Wilcox's first choice? Yeah, they went right after him. Right after him. Right after him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's an embarrassment. So uh, here's another one. And again, I don't know where Joan Neeson is now, but she was writing for SI.com when this hire was made. Yeah, I know Joan. She interviewed me about a recruiting piece a couple of Okay. Times. 
I, and again, I, I'm not as familiar with her work as I am Bruce Feldman. Sure, she does fine work. Sure, she's great. So she did when this hire was made back in December of 2017. So a little less than two years ago. And we'll get into firing a coach that quickly, and et cetera, et cetera. She she did a whole thing on all the coaches that were hired at that time, and she rated them based on splash quotient. <laughs> splash quotient. Oh my god. Splash quotient. Oh lord. <laughs> And basically, she defines it as looks at the reaction to hire from the media, fans, players, anyone. Did the people like it, hate it, or even realize it happened? Okay. Geography. Obviously, that ties in with recruiting. Stylistic fit. Coach, you know, transitioning to the coach's system. Execution. This takes into the account the ease and professionalism with which the program made its hire. Well, obviously, it was easy because there was not a great market to hire Willie Taggart coming off a seven and six season in Oregon. Like the, the, the people were not clamoring for Willie Taggart, certainly not major programs that have, again, Florida State is a brand. They're not just a school in the power five. They are a brand. Uh, and then the other one was instant impact. So on a five point scale, Scott Frost, remember, that was the big hire at the time. and It still remains to be seen whether or not it's going to work at Nebraska. And I maintain Nebraska is never going to be Nebraska again. I don't care who you hire. Because Nebraska might be a brand, but it's a heck of a lot more difficult to win there than it is at Florida State. So she had Scott Frost, number one, Nebraska. And I think just about everybody on the planet agreed with that. Like everybody wanted Scott Frost. Uh, the question was, was he going to leave UCF for Nebraska? Florida was in, you know, they were in the hunt, et cetera, et cetera. She has Chip Kelly, number two. And I know everybody will laugh at that now, although UCLA is certainly doing some more stuff now than they did before. But you, you, you can't sit here and honestly say that you thought Chip Kelly was an awful hire when they made it at UCLA. So I, I think she's right there. Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. A lot of people don't know who he is, but he's done good things already. Yeah, he's on my list to talk about today. Yes. The Beavers. Okay. Hail the Beavers. Yes. And then she has Willie Taggart. Splash quotient four. Splash quotient four. Geography five. Stylistic four. Instant impact four. Well, he made an instant impact, all right. Here are the the names that were below him, some of the names that were below him, according to her list. So in her mind, Willie Taggart, a much better hire than these people. Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen. Okay. Uh, Billy Napier. I know nobody keeps up with Louisiana. That's not going to mean much. Chad Morris. We'll get to him later. Uh, Matt Luke. I mean, Matt Luke was essentially an interim that got promoted. Sonny Dykes, SMU. Boy, a lot of a lot of a lot of schools wish they would have hired Sonny Dykes right by now. Josh Heupel, Jeremy Pruitt. There's going to be a name on this list that's going to knock your socks off because it also has ties to Willie Taggart in a way. In fact, let me get right to that name: Mario Cristobal. Hmm. And, oh, and she also had Willie Taggart above Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> so you get the, you get the idea. There were a number of people. That actually praised this hire. Uh, I, I, I mean, I was sitting there and I'm like, I really had to keep checking Google. Like, maybe I missed the the stretch of time that Willie Taggart proved himself as an excellent coach and would be a slam dunk hire. The only thing that made any sense to to me on this front was one: he played at Bra- Braden Manatee High School, has ties to the state. Now, remember, he was a quarterback at Western Kentucky. It's not as if he played college in the state of Florida either. But he went to high school there and certainly knows, has some connections there. And while at Western, probably recruited the state of Florida, uh, like so many other schools across the country do. If you don't get the tier one kids, take the tier two, tier three. Many of them pan out to be excellent, excellent players. But outside of that, what was the sales pitch? What was the AD telling the fan base of Florida State that this is a great hire, Mr. Wilcox, uh, who doesn't have to answer for this hire now because he's long gone. But what what were you selling people on why this was a great hire for Florida State? And Florida State doesn't need to hire a guy with local ties. Florida State can get the pick of the litter. And this just in, Bobby Bowden, who won two national championships there, and Jimbo Fisher, who won one, had absolutely no ties to the state of Florida or the southeast. Because, again, you don't have to. It's Florida State. It's a national brand. So sure enough, Willie gets the – I mean, it's just it, – it got to the point – and I'm not normally in favor of firing a coach in the middle of the season, but my goodness, 
they're just so bad. And, and Kirk Herbstreet, I'll, I'll leave you with this, JC. Kirk Herbstreet, who's rarely one to like go out and give uh, just, you know, he's not a hot take machine, thank goodness. Um, but he goes out and says, I'm done with Florida State. I'm paraphrasing here. All they want to do is fight. All they want to do is go out there and and fight, fight, fight instead of playing football and same, playing, uh, being focused and being disciplined. And then he goes on to say, you know, Willie Taggart's a good guy, which is what I keep hearing. Willie Taggart's a good guy. And da, 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 da. My only thing about the Kirk Herbstreit tweet would be, isn't the head coach's responsibility to have them play disciplined and not want to fight, fight, fight and do nothing else? Uh, certainly that falls in part on your head coach. This was a rudderless ship from the start. They look completely unorganized, completely undisciplined, completely uninspired. So no matter how nice a guy Willie Taggart is, and no matter how much you were pulling for him as a media member, those of you that were, this was an, an abject disaster and one of the worst hires that a major program has ever made, maybe John Blake of Oklahoma, because at least that had NCAA sanctions attached to it. Uh, this was uh, uh, bad in every shape, way, and form in that you almost didn't have a choice if you're the current AD because at some point you, you just have to cut bait. And and I, I liken it to this was a, a fighter who was fighting out of his weight class, who's in the ring, is getting knocked silly, and at some point, just like Rocky should have thrown in for Ap- Apollo Creed would still be alive today. If Rocky threw in that blood-soaked towel before Drago killed him in the ring, somebody, some throw in the damn towel. <laughs> somebody had to throw in the towel, and that's what they did. And now let the search begin. Yeah, it's it's Florida State. I mean, I think it's one of the best jobs in the country. I know they have some dysfunction with their leadership and university and all that right now, and that's given some coaches some pause. But you look, you're in the ACC. Clemson is in the ACC. Who else is good in the ACC, Mike? Ah, ah, uh, Wake Forest, a pretty good team. <laughs> and I think, and I think North Carolina is going to be good. And then you've got, but you just got like a usual suspects. It's, NC it's, State can like, never get over the hump. Yeah, they're ter- they they probably are terrible. I mean, they, I've, I've got them on my DefCon list, but they're, right. they're like a big. They're just like a football salad. You know, after Clemson, you know, you, you just got a big, you know, you have to go to you know Olive Garden and you get the big bowl of salad. And you get the all cheese on the top. Too. And all you can eat breadsticks. That's the rest of the ACC. And then Clemson is like veal parmesan or chicken parmesan if people out there that don't eat veal. Um, <laughs> and and uh, we also we also said this in the preseason. Clemson is Huey Lewis. And the rest of the ACC is the it news. Is the news. Uh, yes. which, is, which is an epic line in the history of the J.C. Morgan podcast. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I, 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 but it's Florida State, and, and they've they've won a national championship this decade. I know we're about to turn the clock on decades. They are one of the most iconic brands in college football. They, um, you know, that they they care about the sport. There, it's they've won national championships. It's in a recruiting hotbed and look you don't need to hire somebody at florida state because they're a good recruiter or they have recruiting ties what the hell do you need recruiting ties for you're the florida state Seminoles. exactly you know you probably need to go down to south florida and you know keep uh, alabama from taking the the jerry judy's and calvin ridley's of the world away you know you probably need to evaluate a little better because ucf probably has a better roster than you do or at least they have more guys that care about playing than you do. Maybe not talent, you know, pure talent. Mm-hmm. But but and, and even if Willie Taggart was like, you know, if if you really want to kind of dig in and say, well, Western Kentucky was a dumpster fire and he turned them around, and then you know, uh, South Florida was a dumpster fire and he turned them around. I don't believe that. South Florida was a competitive football team under Skip Holtz. Mm-hmm. They had they had a couple of down years and he kind of built it back up. But then Taggart goes in there and loses to McNeese state by 32 in his opener. <laughs> and, and even if you, even if you want to give him credit for all that, he's a guy that when you look at his stops, it's a slow build and it's not a build where you're, it's not a build where you're going to go, you know, like, like, okay. So Lou Holtz had this build thing where, where he would come in and, usually be competitive right away, and then by the second year he was in a bowl game. 
you know, and he was a quick turn guy. Willie Taggart's never been a quick turn guy. He needs usually two bad years to figure it out. And if you look at his track record, it's like that. We didn't have that much time at Oregon, you know, to kind of, but, but like you said, I knew some people with deep connections to that program that worked in that building that were not, you know, that, that thought they upgraded when they hired Cristobal, who, you know, if you want to get right down to it, Florida State could have hired. <laughs> well, that that's that's when I mentioned that list. Yeah. And all, all the coaches that uh, that one particular writer put ahead or put behind, I should say, of Lloyd Taggart. There's no question Florida State, if they could go back in time, Cristobal would have been a perfect hire. Here, and, here, like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, he, but he does have ties. Yeah, he's a Miami the, guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so like it made sense on so many levels, but instead Stan Wilcox. Uh, and again, I don't think I, if he pursued anybody else, I'd love to know about mm-hmm. it. No, it was Taggart all the way. It was Taggart all the way. It was, and, and he got praised for the hire when it was made by a number of people in the media who thought that this was just a brilliant, brilliant move. And it's an, uh, it, again, it's an abject disaster. Yeah. And the, everybody crucified, uh, the Ed Orgeron hired LSU. In fact, I think that the AD left <laughs> afterward. And yeah. look, look who's probably going to be number one today. But look, here, here are some guys, uh, and we'll get off the subject here in a second. But Lane Kiffin, I'm, I'm going to name guys that aren't, you know, aren't at the top of anybody's list, okay, mm-hmm. or that weren't at the time. Right. These are just guys that are out there, all of whom would have been better hires than Willie Taggart, Lane Kiffin, Skip Holtz. Derek Mason, Dino Babers, Dana Holgerson, Kevin Sumlin, Ryan Day, Lovey Smith, and Herm Edwards. And I, I went. I wanted to run the gamut: guys that are bad schools, bad programs, guys that have been there and gotten fired, guys that you know uh, were, were assistants at the time, guys that were in the NFL. All of those guys have, you know, when you look at it, would have probably been a better choice for the job than um than uh, our boy uh, Willie Taggart, and, and and that's not even, I mean, that would that would be a list of guys that would want the job that would be better that aren't really all that great, right? And and it, there's probably ten other guys that are great that would have taken the job. Yeah, because again, you're Florida State. Now turning the page to. Uh, and as we record this on a Tuesday, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in the coming days. As you would imagine, whenever something like this happens, I wake up this morning, I put on my Twitter timeline, there's uh, somebody reporting Bob Stoops is a done deal. Somebody else reporting that Mark Stoops could be a done deal. Um, as of right now, as we record this, none of that has any credibility behind it. Yeah, but everybody a- wants to be first on the story. The AD came out. Well, you, here's what you got to be aware of. And I know this from following coaching searches in the South. You know, there are certain TV guys that, that, that are connected, that have a track record for breaking news that you can trust. And then there's other TV people that, uh, if, they, if, they, if they're not out there breaking news, you don't need to listen to them. I remember TV stations in Alabama reporting at two different times that Steve Spurrier was going to take the head coaching job at Bama in 06 oh, yeah. when they hired Saban. And, and, and in fairness, he did talk to Mal Moore about that job. But right. then when Auburn came open in 08, there was a report that he was a done deal for Auburn. And I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. man, that was, that was never even a consideration. That so. took up four hours of the Paul Feinbaum show. In fact, he had Bill Oliver on. Bill Oliver, former Auburn and Alabama defensive coordinator, Bill Oliver basically hinting that it's a done deal. Spurrier was going to leave South Carolina for Alabama. I mean, I remember listening to it. Somebody, somebody called me up and said, Mike, you got to listen to this. And I, I listened to it online. And it was four hours of people going, oh, yeah, we're getting Steve Spurrier. Yeah, I mean, he's not, he not saying no to Alabama. That was a crazy cra- – and, and look, in, in fairness, he did have a conversation with Mal Moore in New York and told him – and eh, I don't really want to leave South Carolina after two years, and I think you should go hire Saban. I mean, that's that's the official record on that. And, and look, I, I you know, you, you just have to be careful about these things. And when I saw that pop up, and I kind of looked at who was reporting it, I was like, somebody's tr- somebody's got a sliver of information from somewhere, 
and they're running with it. And it wouldn't surprise me at all, Mike, if 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 they talked to somebody credible and they said Stoops, and they just assume Bob. Because I'm telling you right now, if I had to bet <laughs> which Stoops ends up with this job, if a Stoops is hired, I don't know that it will be Bob. I think it may be Mark. I would I would tend to agree with you that if we were doing Vegas odds, and there are Vegas odds on this, mm-hmm. um, first thing I would do is to caution the Florida State faithful into not living in – uh, a somewhat fantasy world that Urban Meyer is coming there. I mean, yeah. Urban Meyer does not want that level of toxicity, and I think he wants to give, He wants no part of the cutthroat world of coaching in the SEC, where it's an everyday grind, and every loss puts you on the hot seat. If he's going anywhere, it's Southern Cal, don't you think? I mean, that's just the perfect, more laid-back environment. That's if he's going anywhere, and I'm not even convinced of that. Um but that, to me, would be the landing spot for Urban. So once you cross him off the list, uh, Bob Stoops is, you know, he, he's got a nice little plum XFL job lined up where he can kind of whet his appetite for coaching, but not have to recruit, not have to do public speaking and talk to the Boomer Sooner Club or the Garnet and Gold Club or you know whatever, whatever else that entails. Uh, if Bob is true to his word, I don't see him wanting to go into a pressure cooker like Florida state. (laughs) Now, Mark Stoops, (coughs) excuse me. Mark Stoops is a very interesting, um, you know, my feelings on Mark Stoops have said it a number of times on this podcast, and I've done a number of his games. I think Mark Stoops, if Kentucky is smart, I mean, they will wrap him up for the next 10 years that, that he fits what that program needs. Uh, he has done good things already at Kentucky, when a lot of people couldn't uh, remember Joker Phillips, there's another three year stint coach uh, that was a disaster and they weren't competing. They were, and a lot of people just started to be resigned to the fact, well, maybe it's just we are what we are at Kentucky. We just can't do it. We can't get over the well, rich Brooks proved for one that you can. Um, and even now in a tougher SEC as a whole, you can still have success at Kentucky. The facilities have been upgraded immensely there. I mean, I don't have to take a back seat to much of anybody in terms of what those players have access to. Uh, and their fans do support football there. It's not just a quote-unquote basketball school. That being said, if you're Mark Stoops, I have a hard time believing you wouldn't listen at least to mm-hmm. Florida State. Yeah. Because, that again, that is a signature job that would provide – uh, a whole lot more resources in terms of recruiting base, in terms of you're in the ACC where you have one other SEC-type program in it, in Clemson. Uh, if you're not named Willie Taggart, you can pretty much guarantee yourself a bowl game every year at a program like Florida State in the ACC. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he listened. And your your point is interesting. <laughs> they could have just gotten the wrong first name. <laughs> Uh, Stoops is taking the job. Uh, uh, well, I meant Mark, not Bob. My bad. Yeah. Sorry, folks. Sorry, I, you folks. know, and look, I, I've got some credible Florida State people out there that I've kind of been following. And they, they do say Bob. I mean, look, I, I don't – I mean, Urban Meyer, it, It's it, he's not probably not going to take it. I don't know that Urban Meyer is who you need right now, to be honest, um, because your, your team is, is kind of an embarrassment right now. And, you know, I don't know that Urban Meyer – necessarily I'm not I'm not calling the guy an embarrassment but there's some embarrassing things that have happened to his programs over the years Bob Stoops not so much I mean anything embarrassing has been like on the field where they gave up 70 points to Kansas or something but you know, um, the one thing just to add to what you're saying the one black mark for me on Bob Stoops was the, the handling of the Mixon situation yeah and and I really think that whole thing because it got so toxic I think that was part of the reason why he said the hell with all this. I'm I'm going to retire, and you know yeah. they took kind of a cushy job in the off the front the front office, if you will, at Oklahoma for a while. Um, I think that I think that took its toll. I, I think that kind of stuff does take its toll on a head coach. Yeah, I, I do too, and and I think that you know, but if you're Florida State, you still got and, and you know you, I kind of read I've read some of his interviews, and he's only he's 59. He's a younger man. Um, yeah, he's not 70. Um, and, uh, you know, he, 
he's got the XFL deal, and so he obviously wants to be back in the game. And the, the thing I keep seeing him say is, I miss it, I miss it, I miss it, I miss it. And you hear similar talk from Urban Meyer. And, right. you know, Florida State, if you got this guy out there, because what Florida State needs right now, they don't – I don't want to call it a slam dunk or home run or anything like that. They need a proven guy. They need a guy that's going to come in there that's been successful at a a program with just as many expectations as FSU or or a guy that knows how to win and build. Um, And and so I think that Bob Stoops obviously uh, is a guy that could come in and and right the ship. I I think he'd probably retain Kendall Browse as his offensive coordinator and rebuild the defense and you know if you're Bob Stoops and you'd like to go to a place where maybe you can win a national championship at a second school Florida State's the 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 place you know yes and so it all depends on him Mark Stoops to me is a guy that almost you know he's seven years younger than Bob and to me you know, based on what he's done at Kentucky, because he's had a great plan and his familiarity with the Florida State program um, and his ability to kind of outcoach people, which Florida State does have talent, but there's not been a whole lot of coaching that's been going on there the last couple of years. Um, you know, I think that would be a tremendous fit, you know, along with your Matt Campbell's and PJ Flex and guys like that. But, you know, Either Stoops, to me, if I'm an FSU fan, if you get those guys in, um, obviously Bob's the bigger name, but but don't discount Mark if you can get it done. You know, and if you're Kentucky, I don't know where you go. Maybe you promote Eddie Grand. Maybe you just hire somebody, hire the next Mark Stoops. But, you know, and if I'm Mark Stoops as well and I get the Florida State job, uh, taillights heading out of Lexington because, I mean, you know, he's done a great job at Kentucky. He's got that thing on solid footing, kind of like it was under Rich Brooks where they're going to go to bowls and then, you know, cycle up every few years. But there are still limitations. And, and you don't have those limitations at Florida State in the ACC like you do at Kentucky in the SEC. True. I, I will say this. I have confidence in Kentucky if Florida State just does a full-court press on Mark Stoops. Kentucky's not going to lose their coach over money. Yeah. No, money, yeah. It's not going to be, a, well, we, we we can't match the, I don't know, we'll throw out a number, $7 million a year if it's a, an established name coach. Um, by the way, Willie Taggart <laughs> might as well wear a ski mask. I mean, he's going to walk away with over $20 million for taking a premier program <laughs> and, and, and putting it into the abyss. Yeah. Um, but but it, and there are reports that, that Florida State's going to do what they can to keep those coordinators of Levitt and Bryles because they, they did everything. They did everything but hold Willie Taggart's hand. I mean, they, they tried to surround him with good coordinators because apparently he didn't didn't have a whole lot going on on that staff. No, it was, too, um, it was, it was not a good staff. Not a good staff at all. And I, and, and and that's that's a big part of if you're, you're going to run a uh, premier college football program as your head coach, you better have some some good connections with people that respect you that you, that are going to want to work for you and, and hire. And they, and they really, they, they kind of, they did kind of a backdoor type of what the way they brought in their two coordinators. Cause they realized like this guy needs help. He can't do it on on his own. It was so utterly inept. Like let's, let's bring in Bryles, uh, you know, forget about what his dad did. He, his name is clean and let's bring in Levitt. He doesn't always mi- play well with others but by, <laughs> by golly he can coach and, and it's still at some point as a head coach you can't weekend at bernie's it the whole time you do have to actually motivate young men and, and make some calls and run practices and do things that actually help you win football did, did games you so just, did you just say weekend at bernie's yes yes <laughs> oh my god i love that because <laughs> when you look at the willie taggart era i mean seriously <laughs> it's like wearing dark sunglasses and, and showing up every day with a whistle but but what what else was going on? It's it's hard to say. Again, completely undisciplined, completely unorganized, completely unmotivated. Uh, all that's going to change now. Look, uh, another coach that was fired after a short amount of time, Ron Zook at Florida, three years. Boom, he was out. He had a winning record every year, and in his last season, won seven eight games. You know, beats had some big wins in the SEC and recruited his you know what off, paving the way for Urban Meyer. This is not going to be that easy of a situation. Mm-mm. However, 
However, I do believe the next guy that walks in there, Florida State will be in a bowl game next year. Florida State will be competitive in 2021, and with the right hire, Florida State will be back to being close to Florida State in 2022. That's my prediction now. Again, it's one of those volcanic programs. They're uh, not staying down for long, in my estimation. No, and look, in all fairness, they're kind of new to this. I mean, look, when they hired Willie Taggart, that was their first coaching search. And, of course, we talked about Wilcox and how it wasn't much of a search. Isn't it funny how some of these bureaucratic guys, that the ADs with the big names and stuff, you know, they, they're, they're really just politicians, uh, mm-hmm. to, to be honest, and they don't know their butt from a hole in the ground sometimes about coaching. And uh, he definitely did. And, and then he just gets out, you know, he, oh, I got this job at the NCAA. Great. You know, I, I know it's a little dysfunctional down there, but I think he contributed to that dysfunction. And I think that's sad. And I think you mentioned the bowl game, Mike. I'm going to go ahead and say that um, don't be surprised if, uh, well, they'd have to beat BC this weekend. Because they're probably not beating Florida. But uh, if they beat BC, they're they're capable of beating Boston College this weekend. They just can't let Boston College run for a billion yards like Syracuse did last week. Mm -hmm. Um, And Odell Haggins can get into a bowl game. And quite frankly, I'd like to see that. Because Odell Haggins has been there for, what, a million years? Mm -hmm. I remember when he played. I'm getting old. (laughs) And this is (laughs) is his second stint as the interim head coach. And, you know, I'd – I'd like to see Odell get them to a bowl, but they, yeah, they're not that far off. I mean, you know, losing to NC State this year or beat I'm sorry, they beat NC State this year. That would have been embarrassing. Close losses to Virginia and Boise, despite the fact both of those teams have much better coaches than they did. You know, Clemson was embarrassing. Miami was rock bottom. Well, they were struggling to beat Group Five teams like Samford yeah. last year. Uh, who was it this year? They had to come Louisiana from behind. Louisiana Monroe. Louisiana Monroe. Yeah. And then again, I mentioned this last week, and we'll get to our DefCon list here in a second. I, I mentioned last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, the Wake Forest game. The, if you watch the the final drive of that game, it was a comedy of errors. It looked like a team that had never been coached to to be in that situation. Um, so it, it wasn't just, it wasn't just the what as in record, it was the how, uh, but somebody will come in and fix the how the, what in terms of talent is, is going to need uh, an upgrade obviously, but you're Florida state. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be fine. This is a, this is a downturn. Uh, I don't think it'll last overly long. But again, uh, you look you look back at this higher thirty years from now and say, "What in the world? How did that happen? And how did we get to potentially back to back losing seasons at Florida State, which is almost impossible to do?" Uh, there were other things that happened, of course, on the field, although it wasn't a uh, a landmark week of uh, of games. Uh, the Florida Georgia game obviously highlighted things. We saw a good portion of that game. Uh, what can I say? I mean, Florida couldn't do anything on third down. Georgia did everything on third down. And Jake Fromm was Jake Fromm on every key throw that you needed to have in that game. Uh, there was one incredibly botched call on replay. I don't know how you look at that on replay. We Paul clearly hits the ground and say that was a catch. I uh, officiating this year. And I always say, I always stick up for officiating like, you know, is it really worse this year? Because people always like to say it's it's never been this bad, and I'm like, eh, it's been pretty bad before. It 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 has been bad. It's not just the SEC. Uh, talk over. to Big Twelve. It's all over. Talk to Big Twelve fans about how bad it's been. Yeah, it just gets more magnified on the SEC, particularly in the three thirty CBS game in the biggest game of the week, and you miss a call like that. But that being said, uh, it was a well played game overall it was competitive it was low scoring like i thought it would be and the team who i thought would win won it and that's georgia and you'll see them back in atlanta yeah it looks that way for sure and um i you know i did think the call was bad um but you know thinking back to the south carolina game a couple weeks ago hey sometimes what goes around comes around and that's unfortunate to me i think some of these guys need to like you know, not spend so much time at LA Fitness and maybe start, you know, reviewing the actual rules and, and making sure their eyesight's good and, you know, all that. And, and, and look, 
I say that tongue in cheek because you know these guys on the field. I mean, they're like they're like professional wrestlers these days. Um, the gun show, and, and it's the gun show. And I say that tongue in cheek, but honestly, it it, it it it's them, but it's also the replay guys. What are you doing? I That's mean, the one that kills me. How, how can you legitimately sit there and see what the world sees and go now and see right. that that's the type of thing that that spawns conspiracy theories because it's all run out of Birmingham, the league office, and there's this you know i guess uh i i i, I you know depiction of some guy in a cigar smoke filled room with dark sunglasses on, you know. Screwing teams. Well, we're not going to overturn it because you know, or, or the, and, and that's not going on either. It's just incompetence, right? Well, so I, and I was going to say, like, I don't buy into that, especially in this case. Look, if yeah. if Florida if Florida won the East, doesn't hurt the SEC at all. No, uh, the SEC because in all likelihood, the champs coming out of the West anyway. In all likelihood, there's a good chance the SEC will get not one but two teams in the playoff, and we'll talk playoff in a second, and that would allow the SEC to get more money. So I, I you know, there are some situations where I can totally understand where there there would be legitimate theories of not conspiracy, but okay, if this school wins this conference championship game, they'll be in the playoff. If they don't will have no representation as a league in the playoff, and that's not good for our league. So let's go ahead and give the benefit of the doubt on that close call to the team. This has none of that. I mean, this is just incompetence. This is just – you saw – and you mentioned it. When I watch a game – and again, I've done a little bit of officiating, so I've always had a soft spot in my heart for those guys. Yeah. I know how hard it is to do it. When you miss a play on the field – and you mentioned the Florida-South Carolina, those are just non-whistles, right? I mean, those are plays that should have been whistled and weren't, which goes back to my theory. If you're one of these people that says, just let the kids play. I don't come here to see officials blow the whistle. Well, that's what you get. Then you get incompetence. Your team gets screwed. So you can't have it both ways. Yeah, I, I don't like penalty flags either. They slow the game down and mucks it up. But you got to call fouls. In this case, this is a it's it's catch or no catch. The guy doesn't see it on the field. I get it. If you're the the field judge or whatever official that was closest to it, and you miss that, it happens. They're human. But when you send it up to the replay booth, I don't know how you look at that and not see it. I, I just, I just, and Dan Mullen already said, but you know, again, um, it, it doesn't matter what the coach says or the AD says, it's not going to change anything. <laughs> it, it, once the toothpaste is out of the tube, you can't put it back in mm-hmm. call was made. It was missed. Look, that's not the reason why Florida lost the game. Anyway, they were completely inept on third down. Uh, Grantham did what Grantham does. Just blitz, blitz, blitz. And you're 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 blitzing a quarterback that this just in knows how to defend defeat a blitz. Uh, yeah, live and die. He lives and you're dies not, with a blitz. Right, and, and that's fine against some guys, but you're not going to rattle Jake Fromm by blitzing on every third down. You're just not going to do it. Uh, and so he took advantage. And, and so Georgia is Georgia. They're they're going to be back in Atlanta and, and taking on the winner of in all likelihood Alabama LSU. Uh, the the other game, marquee game nationally. Oregon made a statement and maybe the Pac-12 in the process by blowing out Southern Cal on the road. Mm. If Oregon and Utah keep doing what they're doing, it's going to make for one heck of a Pac-12 championship game. And the winner of that is certainly going to be screaming from the mountaintop, we belong, we belong. It's still going to be, in my estimation, tough to get in, but they'll have at least a better case. Well, they need to to hope Clemson does something that I just – I don't see it happening, I'm sorry to say, but – they need to hope Clemson loses because I, I believe that with the way Clemson's schedule is this year, a loss puts them out, um, regardless of if they come back and win the ACC or whatever. So pull for Wake Forest. Um, I don't think NC State has a buzzard's chance in a snowstorm of winning that game this weekend. So pull for Wake Forest to pull for the Gamecocks because that game's on the road at the end of the year. Uh, if you're a Ducks fan, and then, hey, maybe North Carolina wins the Coastal. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be Virginia or, ironically, Pitt again. Um, but pull for Virginia to have one of those games where they just play lights out and to win. If you have a huge upset, I think that, that at that point we're talking Pac-12. Another scenario, Mike, though, is, is you know Penn State loses to someone besides Ohio State. Uh, Minnesota obviously needs to lose. 
Um, and Minnesota could beat Penn State this weekend. Uh, and then pull for Bama to lose to Auburn at the end of the year. Um, you know, if they lose to LSU. And then you're not talking about two SECs unless Georgia <laughs> pulls the uh, upset over LSU. So there's there's still time. Oregon's right there in that seventh spot. Utah's a little lower, but if they meet in the Pac-12, you know, they can move up as well. And quite frankly, I feel sorry enough for the Pac-12 as a league because of their TV deal and other mm-hmm. things that yep. uh, I wouldn't mind seeing them make it in. But I, I honestly think against some of these teams this year, they're not going to – they're not going to – I mean, it'll be a one and done, I think. Well, their nightmare scenario is that Alabama wins Saturday and Alabama wins the SEC because an 11-1 and LSU team with a quality at a conference win against Texas, I think they're getting in. Mm-hmm. I, 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 You could make the case that, well, if Alabama loses and they finish with one loss, um, the, the Joel Klatch of the world, just like he did in two years ago – will tell you that they're, they're not deserving and they're not in the same caliber of the Big Ten uh, champion at that point or Big Ten runner-up at that point, what have you. But And, of course, we all know what happened. Alabama went on and, and smoked two teams in the playoff and proved that they were worthy and won the national title. But this year they don't have that quality at a conference win. Their strength of schedule is in the 50s. And so you could make the case that maybe this is the year that even with the name, the, the name brand and everything else going for it, Alabama doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. LSU, to me, definitely would get the benefit of the doubt uh, with what they've done and how they've looked. And um, if they lost a close one to Alabama on the road, yeah. I don't know how you would keep an 11-1 and LSU team out. Yeah, I, I don't either. And, and they need to pull for Texas to not tank. Um, I don't think Texas is going to tank, although I do have them. Uh, on our DEFCON list, I do have the Longhorns at DEFCON 3. <laughs> so, well, let's get to that list. Yeah, let's, let's get to it. Before let's we, get to it. Before we do that, though, real quickly, because th- these are going to be released tonight, mm-hmm. give me your top four or, or, or give me your top four and then how you think it will play out. Wow. Well, the second part's a little bit more difficult to answer. I mean, the first <laughs> part. And, and let me stress, the order of this means nothing. In fact, really, this poll means nothing. You know, the – the very first one, let's not forget, Texas A&M under Kevin Sumlin was in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they just went down the toilet. Uh, Ohio State, the year they won the national championship, I don't think they were even ranked in the top 10 in the opening BC, uh, BCS uh, college football playoff poll. Mississippi State was number one. Mississippi for a State long time. was number one. No team ranked number one in this initial poll has ever won the national championship. So take take of that what you will. So in no particular order, I mean, I I think, I think you're going to see Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, and Clemson in no particular order. Would it shock me if um, Penn State is there? No, and I wouldn't argue it. And again, it, it's going to sort itself out because Penn State's going to play Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And LSU is going to play Alabama. Um, so a lot of that's going to be sorted out. So it'll be fun to watch between two really good basketball games tonight on ESPN. But it won't mean a whole lot. It won't mean a whole lot. So that's that's my prediction as to what it's going to uh, look like at the end of the night. I, I can't say it any better. I, I, uh, Jerry Palm from CBS does the projections. He does a good job, by the way. He had LSU, Ohio State. Ohio State won, LSU two. I would argue that, you know, I think Ohio State's been extremely impressive, probably game to game, the most impressive team in the country. I think LSU has more quality wins at this point. Um, so I would go LSU one, Ohio State two, Bama three, and I would go Clemson four. He had LSU, he had Ohio State one, LSU two, Bama three, and Penn State four. Uh, and look, you're projecting what they may do. I could see them do that. I mean, because right now, when you compare Penn State to Clemson, Penn State has more quality wins. Clemson hasn't, you know, I, I think it's unfortunate people, you know, want to dog them for a one point win over North Carolina and then blowing everybody else out. Well, they did the same thing last year. It was the same thing. And everybody was talking about now, Dabo was a little disingenuous when he said, all of a sudden, Notre Dame's supposed to kill us, right? No, Dabo. Nobody thought Notre Dame was even going to win that game. <laughs> right. You know, me and you sat there and talked about there's no way Notre Dame's going to win. 
Um, no. Now Alabama, when by the time Clemson got to Bama, it was a different story. You know, I, I thought I thought, yeah, Clemson's lack of playing good competition may come back to bite them, and it didn't. It didn't matter. And that's what's been masterful about the Clemson Tigers under Dabo Sweeney is they peak at the right time. And with their schedule, yes, it, it, it sucks. It's not that good of a schedule. Uh, bottom line, a lot of those teams are bad, okay, that Clemson plays. Wake Forest may be the best team they play this year. And Wake Forest is really good, don't get me wrong. But that, that's, that's not a challenging schedule. But it's not their fault. It's not their fault. So – I, I think that the, the committee will put Clemson out of the top four now, but there'll be two Big Ten and two SEC teams that play each other, so it's kind of a moot point. And they have the model that Florida State under Bobby Bowden had for years uh, when they joined the ACC in, what, 93, mm-hmm. give or take? Um which is, you know, and Bobby was smart. Look, Florida State could be in the SEC right now. That was on the table. And, and Bobby admitted, well, why would I want to do that? <laughs> why would I want to play that kind of schedule? I'll join the ACC. Um, but he always scheduled. Of course, he always plays Florida. That's in the deal. And, but he, he would always schedule one of these premier out-of-conference home-and-home, like a Notre Dame or whatnot. The home-and-home home for a lot of teams like Clemson has been replaced by some of these neutral field uh, sites. But Clemson is always willing, whether it's Texas A&M or if you look at the future contracts, Georgia, mm-hmm. they're always going to play. Yeah. Auburn, yeah. They're always going to play at least one, uh, not just Power 5, but signature-type program uh, to, to kind of stay in the loop and, and look at that and add to their overall resume. And that's that's the formula, and it's a smart formula. Whether or not you like it or not is a whole other story, but it, it's the right way to go if you're a premier program and you're in a league like the ACC and you still only have an eight-game conference slate. Make sure you put one that's going to be premier at a conference and just keep going that way. And if you, if you take care of business, you're in the running. And once again, Clemson is going to be in. There's no way – I've heard this mentioned. Well, you think an undefeated Clemson team could be passed? No way. Mm-mm. The committee is going to take an undefeated Clemson team and not have them back in it with a chance to defend the national title. No way, no how. If yeah. Clemson loses a game, they're out. But if they win, they're one thousand percent in. And look, if they go through it undefeated again, by the time they get to the playoff, they will have won twenty-eight games in a row. Right. That's impressive. That's impressive. Uh, it, it is. No matter what league you play in, it, it certainly is. So on DEFCON 5, the, the teams we just talked about, I, I have in there. And I'll put, you know, on DEFCON 4.5, Georgia, because that is a big win over Florida. No matter how you slice it, that's a big win against a top 10 opponent on a neutral field. They came through in the clutch. They won it. Georgia still has. They control their own destiny to win the East. And for that matter, they control their own destiny to make it to the playoff. If they just keep winning, they can do it. And I don't think anybody thinks they're going to go undefeated the rest of the way, other than Georgia fans. But uh, but they still have all of that in their crosshairs. So that they're they're at my DEFCON 4.5. And again, you want to be five. One is the worst. Google War Games. Watch the movie. An hour and 45 minutes of pure cinematic, cinematic brilliance. You'll be better for it. Uh, also, DEFCON 4, Oregon and Utah mentioned what they're doing. Pac-12, uh, look, if, if they weren't in the Pac-12, well, they probably would have different records. But <laughs> they'd probably be uh, at least in the conversation for DEFCON 5. Right now I've got them at 4. Minnesota with Fleck, Matt Rule, Baylor continue to be great stories also on DEFCON 4. I have, like, very little going on in 3 and 2, JC. And then in DEFCON 1, and, and, and Willie Taggart's been there for weeks, and you know, at, at this point now we can move on. For we can get some fresh blood in there. Willie Taggart had like a he had season tickets to DefCon One. He's now had to give them up. Uh, and and we're I think Chad Morris in Arkansas has a pretty firm spot on DefCon One. Yeah, because you lost at home to a DefCon Two team last week by thirty. <laughs> 54-24, C.J. O'Grady, one of your best players, got suspended, and now he's done playing. There was talk There was talk that, you know, the quarterback situation, the players feel like the freshmen should be playing Jefferson, and he, he plays his guy he brought from SMU, which surprises me how bad he is. And 
man, I, I just that's a mess. That's a mess right now. I, I think you and I, you hit the nail on the head, Mike, two, three years ago on this podcast uh, during the Brett Bielema era. You were like, I just don't know. Like to me, you were like to me, Arkansas. I just don't know how you'd get it done right now. Yeah, and it's a yeah. shame because it's a proud program, Southwest Conference. They played well in the SEC under Houston Nutt. They won. They won the division three times. Three times, um, or t- twice under Nutt and once under Danny Ford. Um, and that was when the SEC West wasn't the SEC West. But right now in the SEC West, I mean, you're just somebody's got to finish last. <laughs> In that division, and they're not only the bottom of that division, Mike. They'd be at the bottom of the East as well. I mean, and it's yeah. bad. It's bad. Yeah, I mean, Vanderbilt would be favored against them. Yes. Um, I mean, that's all you need to say. Vanderbilt would be a favorite against Arkansas. I uh, great fans, great facilities, great tradition. But I really think Arkansas is one of the most difficult jobs in the country right now because the West, as you mentioned, it's not the West of Houston Nutt. It's not even the West of Petrino. It it is the toughest division in football. And you might even say the West is having a down year because Texas A&M was crowned a little prematurely and Ole Miss is going through a tough time and Mississippi State's trying to figure out if Moorhead's the guy. So, I mean, it's really like a three-team. It's back to the same three powers Right. It's 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 LSU, Auburn, Alabama, but it's still a really difficult place to win. And if you're Arkansas, you know, we've we've gone over the whole thing on the the DNA of that program and what makes it difficult and recruiting challenges and everything else. And I I the, the Chad Morris hire is one I did not second guess. I it made a lot of sense uh, for that matter. I thought Brett Bielema was a good hire. I thought Brett Bielmo was a coup to steal him from Wisconsin. But now you have two different coaches with two different philosophies and two different backgrounds and very similar results, just not working. Uh, you, you can't fire. I mean, you could fire Chad Morris, but I don't know if that's the move here. I, I think I think you really just have to do a complete checkup on what Arkansas football is and how to get it back on track. But they are, they are right now just a brutal, brutal spot. I I think so too. And I I don't know what the answer is. Um, You know, it's gotta be kind of tough when you've Mike Norvell is an Arkansas native (laughs) and he's right over the Mississippi river at Memphis. And by the way, congratulations to Memphis college game day, was outstanding. Yeah. Uh, I thought I thought the whole showcase was good. I'm normally not one that like really loves the whole let's showcase the group of five team, but I, I thought I thought from everything from the broadcast, uh, game day was outstanding at first class. I know some Memphis fans and they deserve it, but yeah, I just don't know. That has to stick in you a little bit. I think the fact Malzahn turned you down, another native son has to stick in your crawl a little bit. So it's just, man, it's just one of those things. I, it's, it's By the a, way, go ahead. Well, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say on your point on Mike Norvell, I, I did have him on my def. I had him on DefCon four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I, and I and I and I would say this is the year that people start realizing how good a coach this is. I think he's been overlooked. Yeah. by a lot of premier programs and jobs, and I don't know why. Well, they were talking about yeah. him being in the mix for Ole Miss and Arkansas when they hired Luke and Morris. So I don't, I don't know. I, I think that uh, you know you got guys. You know, you, there's another guy that had you handed him the Florida State job two years ago. I think things would be different. <laughs> uh, yes, along you with know? Sonny Dykes, Jonathan Smith. Yeah, let's just throw uh, that all out there. Scott Frost, Jeremy Pruitt, uh, Herm Edwards, Kevin Sumlin, Dan Mullen. <laughs> Jimbo Fisher, Josh Heupel. Name your coach. All right, so I got I got a I got a bunch of teams on DefCon two this week, Mike. Okay, and and there's surprises because like at each one of these stops, you have guys that have been credited with being good coaches. Sometimes, in some cases, I, in my opinion, great. Now, there's some of my least favorite coaches on this list as well. Um, Northwestern, DefCon two, they're terrible. I mean, they are god awful. They're one and seven. They are awful. Nebraska lost to Purdue. <laughs> oh man, and Purdue's god awful. 
And Nebraska's god-awful. Drew Brees gave the uh, motivational speech on that one, by the way. Southern California. Hmm. Clock is ticking. Uh, it's it's the clock is up. <laughs> Michigan, it's just a matter of do you do you do you go Willie Taggart method and fire him midseason, or do you just wait till the end of the year? Michigan State is their offense is stuck in 1996, yeah. <laughs> and there's no end in sight. Syracuse, remember when Dino Babers was the next big thing? Uh, for for yes, I do. Yes, for playing Clemson close and getting to a bowl. Right, they right. were in the top 25 last year. They gave up a billion rushing yards to Boston College, and uh, they're not good. Then they're not not good. They're terrible. Uh, and North Carolina State, congratulations to the Wolfpack, and who I, who I think literally like had he gone to Tennessee instead of Jeremy Pruitt, I think we just I, I think Tennessee may have not won a game this year. Dave Doran at NC State, uh, his coordinators have now all left. And he didn't replace them with good coordinators, sort of like Brett Bielema, I think, except Bielema actually has a track record of doing something good. So I got NC State on DEFCON 2 uh, this week, along with Northwestern, Nebraska, Michigan State, and Syracuse. Uh, I'm with you on all of those selections. Uh, and I, I think a few of those on DEFCON 2 are very quickly going to wind, wind up on DEFCON 1. And you don't want to be on DEFCON 1. That's, that's when the uh, – the missile launch codes start being discussed and bad things tend to happen. So mm-hmm. you, you want to avoid that if at all possible. Uh, we still have our preview installment that will drop later on this week. And that will also have an update on the urban Meyer uh, sweepstakes here. I guess, did I just say urban Meyer sweep on the Florida state sweepstakes? Florida state, that, was a, yeah. that was not even a Freudian slip because I don't think there's any chance urban Meyer is going to wind up at Florida state. But I still have Urban Meyer on my brain because, well, because you mentioned Southern Cal. That's probably why. Anyway, uh, we'll we'll bring that to you uh, later on this week. And uh, in the meantime, you've got the, again, the playoff rankings dropping tonight as we record this at about high noon on Tuesday. Playoff rankings will be dropped tonight. We'll talk more about that in our second podcast this week. Talk about the update at Florida State. And, of course, preview a, a good week of games. Uh, two that stand out above the most, and of course, the game of the season. And we knew that back in like July in terms of LSU and Alabama. Any closing thoughts, sir? Yeah, I wanted to give a couple of shout outs. Shout out to Chip Kelly because the Bruins are turning it around, so don't look mm. now. They control their destiny in the Pac 12 South, Mike. Mm. So if they went out, they went out. They've actually they've improved more than any team in the country. Shout out to Indiana football. Indiana football yeah. is seven and two, and they're in the t- one of the toughest divisions in America. Seven that is and two. Well, they haven't been they haven't been to that marks in, in like thirty years. It's been a long time, man. It's been a long, long time. Yeah, they had the Randall L years that were that were nice, but I don't think they were seven and two good. So uh, absolutely, two two quality shout outs. Yeah, no a, shout out court. to them. Yeah, definitely. and a shout out to Brent Skinner at BPSkinnerClothiers.com for all your clothing needs, custom needs. I can't tell you how many compliments I got on the uh, sports coat that I wore on on uh, this past weekend on television. That's because it's the magic of Brent Skinner. That's all I can tell you. And if you mentioned you heard about it on the podcast, you're getting yourself a free custom-made dress shirt with the purchase of any sports jacket or suit. And, again, the best part is he will come to you. So set up an appointment. Why are you wasting any more time? Just get it done. You'll feel better, and you will look better. Go to the website, set up an appointment, bpskinnerclothiers.com. He'll talk some sports with you, too. He's a huge college football fan as well. So are we. And we're going to talk more of it on the next podcast. But until then... For J.C. Sherbert, Mike Morgan saying so long.